is that my name's Sabrina and Maisie was ah, like, oh, I'm a teenage yes, witch. <laughs> and so, so it then became the WordPress witch just because I, I specialise in WordPress. And Hello and welcome to episode 33 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for well you decide. As you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you can also find all the past episodes of this show and the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. This episode is recorded on Friday, the 23rd of October. I hope you've had a good week, you are well and keeping safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Thank you for joining us. We have a splendid set list for this week's show. I have a fun conversation with Sabrina Chavanes, founder of Complex Creative here in London, who studied medicine and law as a Mensa member, chess expert, and the self-styled WordPress witch. I again take a bar stool next to my friend and content marketing mentor, Robert Rose, in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar. But first, I'll take a look at what's happening on rockstarcmo.com. Right, let's get started, shall we? This week, we published a brand new issue of Rockstar CMO, the Life for Rent issue. If you're a regular reader or listener, then you know we name each issue after a classic album. And you guys can decide if Dido's Life for Rent is a classic. But the title was perfect, as our house band of marketing writers and rockstar CMOs discuss building their brands on the rented land of big tech and social media channels or build an audience on something they own. It's a playlist of fabulous articles, and I don't want to give too much away, but it seems the supergroup we assembled for this issue agree. It's a mix, and they share some wonderful insights and advice that I'll probably dip into on future shows. You can check out the latest issue of Rockstar CMO at rockstarcmo.com and click on the latest issue link on the homepage. I will, of course, include a link to that in the show notes. Right, that's enough for me for now. Let me introduce you to Sabrina Chavanes, who is the founder and MD of Complex Creative, a full-service agency based in London that includes Fitbit, Pirelli, UNICEF, and The Walking Dead on their impressive roster of clients. Sabrina has a fascinating background, having studied law and medicine, is a woman's international chess master and coach, an author, and sits on the Creative Council for the British Interactive Media Association. Fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I certainly do. Hi, Sabrina. Welcome to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. It was nice to speak to you again. So, Sabrina, uh, for the listeners that have not come across you before, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where do I start? <laughs> um, so my name's Sabrina Chavans. I run a creative agency called Complex Creative. Um, I guess when I'm not doing that, I'm probably watching the football. I'm a big, <laughs> big Liverpool fan. Um, so last year was a great season. This year's starting not so great, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I guess I'm out just socializing i love seeing my friends i love traveling usually when mm-hmm. when we're not restricted although mm-hmm. i have been managing to get away a little bit um and so i've got a lifetime goal of to travel to every country in the world That's wow my- <laughs> wow how are you doing against that goal um i've been to 81 countries so far Good Lord. I, I thought I was quite well travelled and then um, and then I meet somebody like you and I realise actually I've been nowhere. So that's fantastic. I haven't been anywhere new in the last two years, though. I've been to the uh, same countries over and over again, which is just silly. It's not helping my goal. But um, yeah. and now, this year, now I can't travel at all. So. No. Do, you, do you count individual US states? 
<laughs> no, I, I've, been, I've been to 17 US states as well, which is more than most Americans have. So. Yeah, exactly. It's all, that's always good for the stats if you count the states. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I wish, I wish. But, um, no. <laughs> all right, but um, obviously, um, you know, we've chatted before and I know a little bit about your story, but, and it's a great story. You, as well as founding digital agencies like you're doing now, you have a degree in law, you've studied medicine, you're a Mensa member at five, you're an expert at chess, you've done acting so I'm not really sure where to start with this interview maybe like what inspired you to choose marketing um I guess it was it was sort of an accidental choice mm-hmm. um, I guess well I, I guess you kind of almost have listed it in reverse order there so yeah I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean um, yeah so I, I was a events member at the age of five still be still still a events member technically mm-hmm. um and yeah I started off playing chess quite young um got pretty good at it loved the travel that was that was it really I think I got oh, to play wow chess internationally and Mm -hmm. and so it sent me to different countries and and that was obviously really attractive um attractive to me and meeting so many different people from different cultures learning about um their life and things like that so Mm -hmm. that's what got me into traveling um and then, yeah, when I went, I've, I've always kind of wanted to do medicine. Um, my whole family um, are medically oriented. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I applied to medical school and, and thought that was what I wanted to do. Went and then during like my, I think, second year of medical school, third, maybe third year of medical school, I thought I want to start my own company. <laughs> and wow. so I ended up doing like a teaching agency at the time. Um, I was doing private tutoring anyway. So then I turned it into a bit of an agency, combined that with uh, my love of chess. Um, and so kind of founded it was the London Academy of Chess and Education is what it was called. Wow. Yeah, so I was teaching chess in schools as well as doing private tutoring for exams and things like that. Um, and that's kind of where, like, I've always had a design background, um, you know, always been quite strong with the design. But that's where I kind of started doing the whole kind of creative, digital creative kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And naturally, with a with a company, you need to have some online presence. You need, you know, your brand assets and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I started to do my own stuff for that. Um, and and then I tried to hire someone to does to build a website um, mm-hmm. because I designed something, um, but I didn't really know much about web development at the time. So mm-hmm. I hired people to do it, and literally all of them sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so frustrating, and it was just like it was it was so bad in the yeah. fact that I'd point stuff out was really obvious and they were like oh or I'd say is this not possible I'd say no it's not possible I do a quick google search and I'd be like well why can't you do this and they're like oh and I'm like <laughs> this really the caliber of people out there doing this yeah. um and for right or wrong I've always been a fan of you know the older dodge where they say um if you want something done properly do it yourself yeah yeah so that's basically what I did with that wow. website I literally went um on Amazon and bought uh html and css for dummies mm-hmm. and read that book and then built my own website nice. and that's essentially what I did um and people when I when I launched it, everyone loved it. Everyone was saying, "Oh, it's amazing! I really like the look of it. Can you do me one?" So I ended up mm. doing some for other people. Uh, this gradually then turned into a thing. And whilst wow. I was trying to be teaching, and um, I ended up freelancing on the side, doing design work, uh, building people websites, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um, and yeah, it just kind of fell on my lap that way um wow. and eventually I was doing that so much I loved it I absolutely loved it I remember even still playing chess and um I was at like a professional chess tournament I remember being at like say the Commonwealth Championships representing mm-hmm. England and in between my games I'd go back and you know start coding a website <laughs> so uh-huh. it was it was crazy um so I, I enjoyed doing it and eventually I ended up um freelancing for several years just doing that I kind of gave up the teaching side of things um mm-hmm. And ended up with so many clients, I decided to 
agency. Yeah, yeah like that nice. became my career path basically. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Quite a lot of people I talked to actually um, on the agency side found themselves as accidental, yeah, <laughs> either really. accidentally in marketing or accidentally as agencies. <laughs> I find that we're definitely in the minority though. Most people that I speak to have have kind of been it had an agency life and they've all like you know worked to big agencies and then yeah. they were like working for someone else sucks I'm going to start my own agency kind of thing yeah. that, that's yeah. kind of most people's paths yeah yeah and how have you found that like um being in somebody else's world I suppose yeah so that's been I think the hardest struggle um mm-hmm. I think that um yeah I, I feel like I've been at a massive disadvantage because I started it essentially from scratch with no connections, nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's very daunting. You're just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, it's like, I guess, moving to another country and not knowing the language and not knowing anyone. That's essentially yeah. how it felt. Uh, yeah. Whereas lots of other people would have been at a big agency. They've had all the connections, probably have clients already that they could take yeah. on with them. Yeah. And, you know, they're starting off by themselves, but with a very big head start. Um, yeah. And so it has been very difficult to do. I like to feel that now at least I'm establishing a little bit, but I definitely feel that the lack of connections has been a major disadvantage. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, um, and, but, um, and so what sort of work do you guys do at Complex Creative? Um, so we specialize in bespoke WordPress websites, so the design and build of WordPress mm-hmm. websites, but we are full service, um, truly in-house agency based in central London. Um, so we do all sorts of branding, graphic design, and then the builds and then digital marketing. So whether that's your SEO, your copywriting or social media, we kind of do all of that. Yeah, oh, very interesting. And I'll include a link to that, obviously, in the show notes for people that are interested in what you do. Um, now, just going to kind of rewind a little bit. I've told your story in the backwards, so I'm not sure where this fits into your story. But you wrote, <laughs> you've, you've written books on chess, haven't you, for kids? Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of books, mostly marketing books. Um, but, uh, and so you're an author. And how how that must have been fun. How did that go? Yeah, so um, like I was saying, I was doing a lot of teaching. My mm-hmm. academy was actually one of the largest uh, in the UK at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there were it was quite popular. Um, and I was really lucky in the fact that I think a lot of people who have a dream of becoming an author, mm-hmm. they, you know, they write their material, they work really hard, and then they desperately try to find a publisher who um, wants to promote their book. I was so lucky that I had it literally the other way around. People were aware of who I was and and my teaching expertise, and um, I have really good results from teaching. So, so I had publishers literally approach me asking nice. me, "Did I write them a book?" Which was great. And I think that as a kid, I never read chess books because I just, frankly, I found them boring. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I was, um, and and so I struggled whenever parents would come up to me and say, "Can you recommend me a chess book for kids?" And I was like, not really. <laughs> They're all really boring. So I always wanted to write one myself. I just never thought it was possible. Um, and again, it's it's one of those things where, you know, until it happens, you you don't realise things are possible, which is why I guess you should never give up on your dreams. Um, but yeah, so I, I was lucky in that sense. Someone came to me and allowed me to do it. And, and the idea is that the book is not like a normal instructional book it's written mm-hmm. in pure dialogue so yeah. it's about a little girl called jessica and a little boy called jamie and their friends um and they're about like seven eight years old and they just argue over the rules of chess and what's right <laughs> and literally they they you know they compare it to harry potter and star wars and it it's, yeah. it's basically they're based on all the kids i've ever taught playing chess right. all they actually talk about in a classroom so therefore it's really relatable and it's pure dialogue and at the end of it obviously they do learn how to play properly um and so yeah it's sold now i think 40 over forty thousand copies um it's in like 18 different languages it's really cool so um yeah i'm pretty proud of that book yeah yeah and i also like the way that there's a theme here and that um that you just did it yourself there wasn't a there wasn't there wasn't a good agency that you like so you created your own agency there wasn't a great chess book that you like so you wrote your own so I I think I'm a fan of that saying (laughs) (laughs) but um, back to your agency you're based um you're based here in London um uh, how I gotta ask I mean I ask all my guests uh, unfortunately for the last what how long is it now seven months um, how's the pandemic been affecting you guys? Um, are you remote work? Have you got a big team? How does that work for you? Yeah, so we're, we're all remote at the moment. Um, 
I mean, do try to meet up every so often. Well, not now. We're back where no, I'm yeah. tier two now. So it's like, well, no, we can't really. Um, mm. I guess we can. Um, but, you know, why add extra risk when yes. you don't necessarily need to? Um, it's definitely affected us. I mean, obviously, unlike, say, the hospitality sector or something like mm-hmm. that, we're not affected in that sort of way. But um creativity is so much better face to face it really is and you know we had i think we had a great agency culture we would always be in the office together we always be chatting and you know joking go for food and there were so many people around us all the time and it was just a great fun environment and you know it was easy to get inspired or motivated to be creative Um, and i think going from that to a very um you know just like same four walls every day the same stuff like it's it's it has been very difficult for all of us in terms of motivation and creativity um so yeah not really enjoyed that and even the relationships with your clients you know lots lots of ours would be in the same office building we'd have loads office building we'd have lots just all within you know the square mile of city center so i'd walk Mm. 15 minutes to to go see a client whenever they needed it it was Mm. it was so much better Mm. now it's just everyone's kind of a mess everyone's all over the place and yes we can do it remotely but it's it's never the same it really isn't no no and um i I was also talking to a client of mine they, they said they found that um instead of like the odd little conversations you would have either with a client or with a colleague, it now gets set up as a meeting, as a Zoom call. And that that is just, you know, draining everybody that everything now has turned into a meeting. Yeah, that absolutely. And that's, yeah. and, our, and it's just like, every time we're having an email thread, it would be just like, oh, should we, should we make this a Zoom call? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just becoming so tedious and long yeah. and like, everything's taking three times longer to get done or decisions. Yeah made and communication yeah. it's just not right it's, it's it is it is draining for sure yeah have you seen any positives I mean some folks have seen that um you know that I'm, I'm probably not the same with your organization it's quite small and you're quite flexible anyway but they've seen uh, some people have seen some benefits from the flexible working and from working from home and um, they've also seen a little shift in their clients and getting to know them a little bit better have you seen any of those kind of positives on your side um I think like obviously it's not all doom and gloom but mm-hmm. um but I think that those who see the positives either have like a very large organization um, yeah. and, and maybe they, they weren't efficient in their processes as well. So if right. they've positives, that's lots of organizations in person would go through all these things mm. to get stuff done. But I don't think we were like that. We always had a very efficient uh, process. Yeah. And it's just hindering it now, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I guess if I had to try and force myself to find positive, <laughs> um, it would be, I guess, I don't know, you're less tired traveling to Yeah, I, I'm struggling to find some positives on this situation. I really am, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, now let's, um, let's shift to something a little bit more fun then. Uh, well, fun and geeky at the same time. Um, right. You're described as the WordPress witch. Right? Yeah. Now, I, now, I I'm not the one making this up, right? This is written into your, <laughs> your LinkedIn profile. Um, so tell us a bit about being the WordPress witch. And um, and also, like, I mean, this might be a bit geeky for some of the listeners, but, you know, if you're from a content management background, a lot of people get a bit sniffy about WordPress as a platform for corporate websites. Tell us about both those things, how you became the WordPress witch and what you think about it. Um, well, quite simply, I think, um, is that, my name's Sabrina, and Mosey was ah, like, oh, I'm a teenage yes, witch. <laughs> and so, so it then became the WordPress witch, just because yeah. I I specialise in WordPress, and pretty much then when anyone ever wants to talk to um, someone about WordPress, they go, oh, yeah. speak to Sabrina, she knows her stuff. Um, I've yeah, been doing yeah. it for years, and I'm quite... Um, an advocate for for WordPress. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of it. In terms of... Um, like you know wordpress as a cms i mean it is debatable i feel like i feel like it shouldn't even be debated anymore i feel like um maybe years ago when wordpress started it was like a blogging tool and it was kind of minimalistic but i feel that now with the level 
of you know functionality that you can achieve within a wordpress website it's no doubt a cms and obviously the leading cms um there's always percentages out there which is like what wordpress powers 35 percent of the internet or something like that so you know it's um it's it's quite crazy actually um and and if they if it wasn't good, they all wouldn't be using it. Like big yeah. guys like CNN and stuff like that are using WordPress. So if, yeah. if it wasn't able to, so so I do I do quite a lot of webinars on that, like dispelling WordPress myths. Yeah. Because I do have a lot of clients who come to me going, oh well, I heard mm. WordPress has loads of security issues. Is that true? Mm. Or I heard all WordPress websites are really slow. Is that mm. true? Mm-hmm. And obviously there are all these rumors going around. And personally, I think it's like the proper web dev dudes who are like wordpress isn't a website mm-hmm. like you know, that's not real wordpress development and then they just slag it off yeah. <laughs> um, i think that's a lot of what it's come from and yeah. a lot of it is because it's one of those you know code free solutions yeah. so um there are a lot of amateurs who are building wordpress websites in the wrong way doing yeah. all of those mistakes which lead to security breaches which lead to big heavy slow websites which do yeah. cause these problems and then obviously they have some grounds um for these cases yeah. but that's why we specialize in bespoke design of wordpress websites because yeah. then we can create them in the right way and that's what we do and that's why i think it yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a debate that's rumbled on for at least a decade that I can remember. I remember writing a blog post about whether WordPress was a CMS, and I just said, no, yes, it is. It just isn't a very good one. But that was 10 years ago, and so things have things have really moved on. Uh, so um, conscious of your time, um, I'm going to get to our final question. Um, okay. We have a regular feature on Rockstar CMO, the swimming pool, where we throw all the bullshit and snake oil of this great marketing industry into there. What would you nominate that we need to chuck into the swimming pool, our portal to hell? portal to marketing hell i'm not even sure um what where we'd start with that what sort of suggestions have you had in the past that are, that so i can oh, i can't i can't i can't give all that away well i mean some people um we've had quite a lot of people who um who are, who are annoyed by the interruption marketing that people do and the untargeting emails that they get some people are annoyed by uh all of those things banner ads we've had thrown in we've had all sorts of things like that what what is it that marketers do to you that you don't like uh it's such a difficult question <laughs> it is like one of those things like, i just think that like you know when you do something but you hate when other people do the same thing to you yeah, um, yeah. yeah i think you know what this is gonna be controversial i think <laughs> like because automation or marketing automation is kind of what everyone loves at the moment it's you know obviously naturally the more the less you do the better it is and you know ai is becoming a big thing as well yeah Um, i hate that i hate the the most most leading technological thing of ai i kind of i kind of hate it because Mm. it's so impersonal Mm. and it's it's just like you know you get it, basically for example linkedin has been ruined for me mm. because thousands and thousands of people that add you and immediately sell you something so your yeah. inbox is completely blocked to people who are just trying to sell you something and you miss yeah. all the actual genuine opportunities yeah. and the automated stuff are just so robotic yeah. and that's actually why for example i am known as the wordpress witch but i have a little witch mm-hmm. emoji on my linkedin thing because then and my linkedin name because then you know who's automating it mm-hmm. because a bot would just take the first emoji so when it will say hello instead of saying hello sabrina it will say hello and show the witch yeah, yeah. and so you can filter it out and know who's doing it mm-hmm. um and it's just you know as someone obviously who wants to get more leads for my agency i get loads of lead generation specialists coming to me asking me um you know mm-hmm. if they can manage my linkedin profile mm-hmm. and you end up getting p- yourself be branded as one of these annoying selling people. <laughs> and it's just like, I, that's the last thing I want. And they're like, I will guarantee yeah. you all these leads. But then mm. like, basically you become the troll and yeah. you become the annoying person. And I just yeah. think that it's just not a nice way to go. I know yeah. it's slower to do it traditionally, mm-hmm. but I just think it's better, better quality. Yeah. yeah. I, um, 
I've maintained an old fashioned view with LinkedIn is I only connect with people that I've met or done work with or talked to. And I ignore all of the connection requests. And everybody tells me that that's not the way that LinkedIn works anymore. But I'm like, yeah, but if I do, then it's going to turn into the dumpster fire that is Twitter for me. Right, <laughs> so- <laughs> exactly. And I, I, also, um, I also wish I did that. Um, yeah. And actually, I'm at the point now I'm actually removing connections yeah. um, long process but I wish I, I'm going to be much more selective too yeah. um, but LinkedIn is now becoming I mean like maybe mm. I should have thrown this in because it's, it's a brand new thing but maybe I should throw in LinkedIn stories I already hate the idea oh, of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I just think that LinkedIn used to be so professional it used to be yeah. basically like your online resume uh, yeah. you know a professional place of sharing articles and thought leadership pieces. And now yeah. it's become an amalgamation of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And it's just, yeah. it's just a bit much now. Yeah. Well, I think they're both excellent nominations um, <laughs> and I think they'll be making a splash in a future issue. So <laughs> yeah. thank you very much, Sabrina. And um, uh, really nice talking to you. And if our readers want to find out a bit more about the WordPress, witch or about chess <laughs> or any of those fascinating things we discussed, where can they find you? Uh, well, I'm on all of those social media platforms. <laughs> find you on LinkedIn. I'm going to ignore your request. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter or Instagram or something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm on any of those. So right, give me cool. a shout. I'm happy to answer questions. And your agency, remind us. Uh, so we're called Complex Creative and our website is wearecomplexcreative.com. Sweet. All right. And I'll include a link to all of those things in the show notes. Thank you very much for your time, Sabrina. I look forward to speaking no to you again. And thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Sabrina. Very much enjoyed that conversation. And I think we can all agree with that LinkedIn experience. Right, it's Friday evening here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse in London, and I think it's time to round off the week with a cocktail in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar, where maybe I'll find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. Uh, fancy meeting you here. Yes. Well, mm. we're here in the bar again. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, nice. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have all eyes toward the coming couple of weeks here as the future of this country um, mm-hmm. will, uh, will be in the balance. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on, but we are drinking uh, and we are having a lovely, lovely drink. This is a perfect one for the chill that is about the air um, mm-hmm. and the depth and, and despair of fall. <laughs> um, I'm calling it the Cinnamon Paloma. Um, and you may have heard of the Paloma, the classic Paloma, which of course is grapefruit juice um, yep. and, uh, and, and tequila. Um, this yeah. I'm calling a cinnamon Paloma. And quite frankly, it was something I just threw together and it ended up being just really, really tasty. Um, mm-hmm. The key is, is you find a tequila um, with really heavy tones of vanilla. Um, there is a brand right. called Clase Azul, which is a really nice choice of this. But any uh-huh. tequila that has a really heavy tone of vanilla or oak um, will yeah. be what you want here. And then... Basically, it's that with just, I mean, just a squeeze of grapefruit, not even a lot, just a squeeze of grapefruit uh-huh. and then cinnamon, and you add cinnamon to that. Uh, and uh-huh. it is delightful, and it is a very fall-like drink. Um, uh-huh. It is just absolutely spectacular. That sounds, that sounds delicious, as usual. And I think I only know about Paloma because... You've probably had one on this show, <laughs> so uh, the classic. So uh, yes, I am. I'm going to reach over to my um, my desktop bar and have a look at uh, what I have because I have none of those ingredients, as you can imagine. Um, but I do have <coughs> Hendrix Gin. Uh, th- we were talking about sponsorship last time. How about if uh, uh, do you know, think this will work? I'm waiting for Hendrix to call you up and go. <laughs> Yeah, it's either that or Bombay Sapphire. I just like the way the Hendrix opened the Bombay yeah, Sapphire. I hasn't got that last week. I mean, you are not availing yourself of <laughs> some sales out to Hendrix to say, <laughs> dudes, at least give me free gin. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, I dropped a little bit of ice in there, but I didn't do it close enough to the microphone that I don't think you can hear. And everybody, um, who, everybody who listens to this podcast, here's a, here's a, here's a task. Both of them. Hashtag whatever Hendrix's hashtag is, and get them to pay attention because they they should come listen to this episode. And we, Hendrix people, we've been doing this for I don't know God. ten weeks now, ten, 10 or More twelve weeks. That. More than that. Yeah, it started at episode nine, and this is going to be episode um, thirty-two. I yeah, think, if and, I've got that. And tens of people listen to this thing, Hendrix. Tens. So tens. sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes tens, yeah. Um, and uh, and um, I, I should also choose a brand of tonic. It'd probably be Fever Tree or something like that. But yeah, um, it's yeah. not Fever Tree that I'm using quite. But this, this, it's what's this? This is Schweppes I have in front Does of me the right brand now. But it matter. But I, I suppose. Oh, Fever Tree will tell you it will because so much of your drink is the tonic. So they'll say that uh, you should choose your tonic wisely. But yes, so um, yeah, I didn't have. I didn't, sorry, I should have uh, talked talked through my drink, but I think everybody knows what I just did. I put some tonic into some gin, and then I'm going to pretend that tonic is very similar to one of the ingredients from your drink, like the cinnamon. <laughs> I see. There you go. <laughs> and and uh, yes, yeah, so that was uh, that. Oh, I've got to taste it. Hang on a minute. Mmm. Oh yes, that that is that's got the fall or autumn, as we call it written right through it although i could probably drink those through the summer as well <laughs> and probably have <laughs> so uh we've got these lovely autumnal drinks what was it called again uh that would be the cinnamon paloma the cinnamon paloma lovely and uh it's 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 all it's fall it's autumn where where are we uh, going to be enjoying these drinks this evening well i think we have to be somewhere in a cabin somewhere on a lake mm-hmm. um maybe in the mountains you know it needs mm-hmm. to be like we need the the full-on sort of in the wilderness yeah. uh, sort of you know vibe here um yeah. i'm thinking on a big lake so so maybe um there is a a lake up in northern california lake shasta uh which mm-hmm. would be which would be wonderful um but really any lake um with you yes. know in a forest um yeah. lots of hiking maybe a soft snow falling and wow you know yeah i think wow. that's where do you get do you get much of the change of uh, the fall leaves and stuff uh, not here not here in southern no. california no it's perennially summer here basically i mean we do yeah. get some of the you know when it gets really cold here <laughs> and yeah. really cold yeah. is in rock and roll quotes um yeah. you know uh you know in so I'll, I'll i'll forgive me i'll i'll, I'll speak in fahrenheit here but um yeah, no, so in, in the 40s or 50s which is yeah. cold for california yeah. um we will get some change of leaves um yeah. but not much i mean but up in northern california they really do they they, they absolutely yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. So, but that sounds great. So, we're sitting in a cabin. I'm presuming that it's warm enough for us to be overlooking the lake on some kind of beautiful deck or something like that. That's um, right. Enjoying, enjoying the, uh, enjoying these drinks. Uh, and uh, what, what uh, thoughts have we turned to in in our conversation once we've got past yeah, the well, I... the? Yeah, sorry, the you football know, and the. I, you know, I, I as the uh, as the as we get closer here to sort of <laughs> the um, the you know the the the, the politics of, of life, um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I have started to recognize, and I started to see a pattern, which is you know how much of politics is loaded questions, right? Um, you know, and this comes from the media in, in many ways. Um, you know, and, you know, just for definitional sake, you know, the loaded question is basically a question that, you know, already pushes an answer, right? The, the agenda mm-hmm. of the, answer, no matter what your answer to the question is, yeah. um, you know, so an example, like, you know, I was watching the, the news, right. And so the news headline, um, and I won't name the network, but, but the, the news headline was, do you think the media purposely divides Republicans and Democrats? Right. All right. And so. Even if you say no, you're still admitting that the media divides people. It just does it accidentally, not purposely, right? <laughs> so, you know, or you or somebody yeah. in your social media feed, right, will say something yeah. like, "Are you actually going to vote for this corrupt politician?" You know, yeah. there's no way to answer that without admitting that the politician is corrupt. Um, yeah. And so that's loaded questions. And so the interesting thing is, 
I've been doing a lot of research um, in thought leadership papers um, and, and a lot of it in technology, a lot of it in customer experience. So I've been downloading a lot of thought leadership over the last couple of weeks. And interestingly, it's mostly crap. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's not thoughtful or leadershipy. <laughs> No, it's it's neither thoughtful nor leadershipy. Yeah, it, 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 there is not a lot of thought being led. Um, and interestingly, I you know the one piece that I did download, which was actually really good, was the study done by LinkedIn and Edelman um, about thought leadership, and they found that 50, it was only fifteen percent of decision makers actually rate the quality of thought leadership as excellent or good. And yeah, there's a lot of stats in that report. I've u- I've actually used that report in presenting the value of thought leadership. Yeah, it's 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 a really good it's a really good um, yeah. sort of very meta um, thing. And mm-hmm. but I was fascinated by how many of the uh, papers themselves um, actually start with a loaded question, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually. Uh, the you know the the how many of them actually begin with an idea of uh, of, of of a loaded question you know with the technology you know, you know mm. the, I, I ran across one title that said something to the effect of you know should CMOs continue their failed efforts at digital transformation right yeah well, yeah, yeah you know what I mean it's like eh. yeah and and yeah. the interesting thing is you start reading a paper like that and you're like. Uh, okay, this is, the, I know the angle that this paper is taking because there's a technology company and they're trying to show you that it doesn't yeah. have to be failed, but you're immediately, you know, you're put in that. And, and and what I find myself doing as a reader of that mm-hmm. is immediately poking holes in the argument, right? No matter how mm-hmm. good the argument is, I start immediately poking mm-hmm. holes. Instead of the white paper or the thought leadership piece, letting me come to my own conclusions, sort of letting mm-hmm. me self-discover this answer, which is so much more powerful. Um, when you're writing a piece of thought leadership and I've done it, I know I've done it I've in the past. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you went back through all my stuff that I've written, yeah. I know I've a loaded question in there, but now yeah. that I've seen it, I, I, it's hard for me to unsee it. Right. And it's like, yeah. I'm just really trying hard not to, not to do that much anymore. Yeah. Isn't it, some of that though, about that narrative is that people just think they have to front load their point of view into something very quickly and that's what this is all about whereas what really is your thought leadership paper trying to achieve is trying to achieve you looking like a thought leader right is and so you don't actually need to force your point of view down their throat in the first paragraph do you that's right you know there are ways to structure your um you know we've 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 basically adopted you know, the academic paper structure. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how most thought leadership is created these days, right? Yeah. Thesis, here it is. Let me run it down your throat in the first paragraph yeah. and yeah. then let and me then prove support it. that argument yeah. uh, with, you know, some fancy pie graphs and some, you know, some research yeah. that I've called off the internet. And then let me give you the 10 ways of how to, and then let me illustrate, you know, kind of why my solution is the only way to solve it. Um, and then basically, so you're making your argument and then that's the end of the paper or the presentation or what, I mean, how many, you know, sort of conference sessions have you sat at all that thing, you know, sort of the first few slides are, did you know that Facebook is as big as many countries? And did you know that (laughs) my thesis that things are really difficult and fundamentally (laughs) and then. 14 more slides about here are the top 10 reasons that you need to solve this problem. And then, you know, basically yeah. here's why we solve it better than anybody. Cause here's a case study, you know, is that, and, yeah. Is that because we've all got the same um, attention span as a goldfish? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be in there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you just like picked up a stick and wanted to stick it through the bars and poke the bear. Right. Is that what you <laughs> Yeah, but you're absolutely, you know, there's, there, there's that formulaic nature to those to, to those things. Um, but I guess what you're going to argue for is telling a story, right? Well, I, yes. I, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily the academic structure of, of thought leadership is bad, per se. I mean, mm-hmm. I've read any an academic paper that was compelling, right? I mean, yeah. and really good and entertaining and, and was written well and, you know, yeah. and had 
you know, had, you know, had me hanging at every page turn. Right. I mean, I don't necessarily think they're, it's bad. It's, 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 it's in many ways, um, all, all, but, you know, yes, ultimately it's, it is a, you know, there is a storytelling structure where Mm -hmm. you want to set up the ordinary world. You want to introduce a resistance to that change and you want to resolve that change. That's just classic, simple storytelling structure that would fit an academic paper or really anything. So yes is the headline, but I don't think it's the underlying structure. That's the problem. It's, it's the way that we make our arguments, um, you know, in the assumptions that we make, um, with our audience in, you know, in, in, and this is especially true in marketing where we are starting with that loaded question. We are starting with the, the answers, you know, we want them so fast to get to the right answer that we give away the ending, right? You know what I mean? It's it, it, the, the equivalent would be sort of like, you know, open up and a giant spaceship is, is, you know, is shooting a smaller spaceship. And we understand that Princess Leia has some secret plans that, uh, that the Empire wants. And then the next scene is basically Darth Vader dying, right? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. we wanted so quickly to not lose their attention. We gave away the ending before yeah. or yeah. even telling the rest of the story. And yeah. That's so much of what thought leadership is today. It's like company X was having this incredibly pro- horrible, you know, challenge doing this one thing, but yeah. they chose this solution, and now everything is unicorns and rainbows. And <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you go, and then you start introducing the problems and the implications yeah. of those changes and everything like that. And the salespeople yeah. or somebody goes, "Oh yeah. no, don't say anything bad because you know they might stop reading there." Um, yeah. And if they stop reading there, then they'll think that, you know, it's nothing but problems and challenges. It's like, ah, you know, it makes you want to tear your hair out. Yeah, I was just working with a client talking about the um, helping them with a, a template for their case studies. And the thing that I injected in the middle of it, they, they were doing all the normal stuff, you know, this is what happened. This was the results. And why did they get the results? Because they implemented this software. And I said, well, what about the journey? What about where they got from right. that previous point to this point? Tell a little bit about that. Did they go through this arduous selection process? Did they try something else first? What, what, how did they actually arrive at that thought? And that makes a much more interesting case study to read then. No doubt. I mean, yeah. and, and where did they run into trouble, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, you know, they, what didn't they account for? You know, yeah. what, what didn't you know as part of this change you know so often in the ca- yeah. customer case study we write this piece that says once they selected us everything was perfect right? <laughs> and of course that's not true and people see that right away you know yeah. i for example i i want to read the content management you know enterprise content management because this is something you and i both share obviously yeah yeah, yeah. i want to read the content management implementation case study that really tells the story of <laughs> content management system implementation because you and i both know mm. that there's no such thing as a flawless no. content management implementation no. it just doesn't no. exist you yeah. know they're always over budget understaffed you know yeah. under under resourced uh, yeah. you know technology fails you know there are problem and they're interesting stories and yeah, sometimes yeah. they're good on the other side and and success happens but mm-hmm. i want to read i want to read a you know the real one <laughs> you know, the behind the scenes one you'd be definitely bucking the trend then it'd be a bit like um, what you were talking about a few weeks ago somebody if, if people were more honest on their um sign up pages right on their call to actions about what exactly you're going to do with their data can <laughs> exactly you, can you imagine that vendor that that, that that does that and then when you download it actually gives them the the, the truth yeah. Of, of what would happen. Here's what's going to happen when you implement this this, this enterprise dam system. Yeah, you are yeah. going to hate your life for the next eighteen months. Yeah. IT people are going to use your name in vain. Contracting <laughs> is going to pull you into their office at least five times to talk about over budget and over scope. You know, yeah. you, you are yeah. going to hate life for eighteen months. On yeah. the other side of it, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so hang in there, kid. Hang in. There. <laughs> And here's an interview with somebody who went through that same process. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, um, but I, 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 one of the, the structures that I go back to, and I, I, you've, it's probably, um, I mean, you're brilliant with these story storytelling structures, and you, you talk about them much better than me. Is is it Andy Raskin's best 
um, sales deck he ever saw or something. Are you familiar with this, where he's got that sort of five-point structure of, you know, that there's a ch- challenge in the world, um, there's going to be winners and losers, um, a glimpse of the promised land, uh, what else? Um, and it ends up with evidence. And I, I, always, I always pick those. When I'm writing anything, I pick that kind of structure to, to write like that. Do, is that what you do as well? Uh, you, you know... What I try and do to the best of my ability is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've got a little model that we teach in yeah. our workshops that I, yeah. that I, that has worked for me. Um, and it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a story structure, uh, that I got actually from a friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, who was writing for, you know, basically a, he did a, he does a class on screenwriting. And how to yeah. structure stories for screenwriting, and, and basically how to structure a uh, structure a, a premise, a premise to your story. Mm-hmm. And it's basically the 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 you know the four questions. It's there there mm-hmm. are, there are four questions that that I ask, which are one, who is the human hero, right? Who is the mm-hmm. human of this story? Two, what is the resistance? What do they want? Basically, I should say. Mm-hmm. Second, what is the re- what do they want? And, and you know, what is mm-hmm. the goal? What is they? What do they? You know, from everything from you know, kill a thirty-five yeah. foot shark to climb a mountain to solve a murder to you know to yeah. win in their in their um, you know in their digital transformation. Um, yeah. Three is what is the resistance? What's in their way? All the things that are in their way, you know, yeah. including their own self limitations. And then yeah. four, what is the truth? What is the change? What is the, what do they yeah. ultimately end up with? And yeah. I think, you know, Reskin's sort of best sales deck that it, it very yeah. much fo- follows that, that sort of structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like it. I, his, 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 that, that sort of um, idea is really good. I think I really mm. like that, that idea, mm. but it's, it's, it's classic, classic story tr- structure, which mm. is and but therefore, right? And button, therefore, is the simplest story structure there is, which is setting mm-hmm. up your ordinary world and, mm-hmm. you know, and this happened and this happened, but mm-hmm. which is the resistance, but then this happened. Therefore, yeah. here's how they changed to address that. That's yeah. the simplest story structure there is, you know, yeah. Dorothy yeah. was in this wonderful place called Kansas and yeah. she was bored and she really wanted out of there. And, you know, um, she, you know, she was really in this black and white sort of, you know, trying to yeah. wish her way out. But yeah. and this old woman wanted to come and take her dog away yeah. and, and the, and the huge, uh, you know, tornado was coming. Therefore yeah. winds up in Oz and, you know, meets up with all these people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 And then each of those characters has that same, has their own story in that same way. Yeah. That's, That's right. the beauty of that film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, or that story. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so um, I like that. And do you, do you know what I nearly did then? I, I nearly started writing notes on, on what you were suggesting there. It was <laughs> I, I'm not that I'm demeaning. <laughs> I think it could be perfectly, but I don't usually write notes when I'm interviewing somebody on the podcast. That was, that was really good. I'm going to listen to that again because I think that getting that story structure right, it just makes, it also makes you create something that's worth reading, that's entertaining. You know, I know it's business, but it's entertaining to read, isn't it? It's more fulfilling for sure. Yeah. Whether it's leadership or whether it's fiction or whether it's, you know, when, when, you know, the way I like to say it is whenever you close a book, you know, put down a white Mm -hmm. paper, come out of the movie theater, you know, turn off Netflix and you're unsatisfied, right? You're yeah. unsatisfied with that experience. It's because there's holes in the story, right? And, yeah. and they haven't met those needs. You know, you sort of walk out yeah. going, you know, you walk out of the horror movie going, there's no way that that guy would have not gone into the car mm-hmm. and gotten away when he was behind the farm and the guy was running after. He would have totally, what, yeah. what are you talking about? He would have totally picked up that shit. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, when you're un. It's because there's a hole in the story. You haven't su- yeah. you haven't sufficiently met yeah. the pressure points of those four areas of the resistance and the you know yeah. and all of that when you when you're looking for it. And yeah. when you are satisfied is when you've been able to self-discover that truth, that change, and you go, Wow, I really believe that, right? Or I was willing to yeah. suspend my disbelief, you know, along and go along in the story. You know, it's like when you yeah. walk out of Star Wars and you're like, 
you know, believing in the force and holding up your hand yeah. and controlling somebody and say, these are not the droids you're looking for. You bought <laughs> it. Right? You, you found, you believed it, right? You have changed your belief. And that's where you, you know, that's where the value of a great piece of content is. Oh, that's a wonderful picture to be left with. <laughs> for sure. Uh, thank you very much, Robert. That was, um, uh, I mean, that was that was just excellent. I, I love talking about storytelling with you, and um, and I enjoyed my drink, and you recommended a lovely place to be. Um, but if people want a bit more of Robert Rose and they spin the dial on the interwebs, where will they find you? Well, you'll find me on all the social media channels and blah blah uh -huh. blah. Um, but <laughs> but basically, uh, the best place to find me is my blog uh, and my website, which of course is contentadvisory.net. Mm -hmm. all right i'll include a link to that in the show notes and to you on linkedin and twitter uh, thank you very much robert and will i see you in the bar next week i think you will yeah uh, all right well i look forward to it mate and uh, see you then absolutely cheers buddy bye thank you robert i very much enjoy those conversations as you might notice so that's a wrap on episode 33 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. Thanks again to Sabrina for the conversation, to Robert for the inspiring cocktail, and to our wonderful Rockstar CMO house band who have rocked out another issue. I will, of course, include links to the latest issue of Rockstar CMO and my guests in the show notes. And if you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. So please show them some love and tell them I sent you. So does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I would love to know what you think. Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I again use this podcast as an excuse to grab a conversation with somebody interesting as I'll be chatting to Catherine Strachan, founder of Edinburgh-based content marketing agency, Copyhouse. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll again join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.